Hello? Hello? Whoa, <laughs> hold on. Hold on. I know you've been running the podcast for a long time, but I'm back. And when Jay's not here, I'm in charge, Chris. Okay. I, I, I overstepped. I overstepped. I know. I know. You're lucky. You're lucky we're not at, on uh, Nuka Pena yet. Otherwise, this would be a turf war. Uh, anyway, uh, welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Lorelai Weissel-Labrizzi. I'm Chris Delano. Uh, and and we're here with another exciting, thrilling, wonderful episode of our podcast to talk about Magic the Gathering lore and flavor and such things. And uh, we got a lot going on right now. Um, <laughs> uh, last week, we kind of did uh, the backstory of Kamigawa, the, the things that happened in the original block. And uh, we do have some new Kamigawa stuff that we're not going to go too much in depth in uh, this week because we're going to be talking about Boom Studios comics instead. Um, but uh, there was a Kamigawa world building roundtable video. It's about half an hour. It's up on the uh, Magic of the Gathering YouTube. It's a insightful look in with uh, some of the designers and um, uh, narrative people and art people and one of their cultural consultants uh, into, you know, hey, what does it mean to build upon the Kamigawa that existed in the past? What does it mean to update it to the future? What does it mean to um, create a world that is faithfully and respectfully uh, engaging with Japanese culture in a way that the original block did not? Uh, it was a very fascinating discussion for folks who like to see behind the scenes things, you know, the how the the cyber sausage is made. Uh, it is uh, not a video to skip. It is a uh, very good. Lots of wonderful folks uh, in that video, too. Uh, so definitely go check that out. I'm a pescatarian. Uh, Can I eat cyber sausage? I mean, if it's made from fish, sure. I don't see why not. You could also make vegan sausage. Uh, I could eat vegan sausage. Yeah. But I was just wondering if like cyber was in the same sense of like, it's not actually sausage. It's like made of cyber. Well, so, so the casing is made of hard light and um, the the sausage itself is made out of uh, bits and bites all ground up in a blender. Oh. Um, you know, the uh, 3D animating program. So, uh, Sounds delicious. That was a cooking and art joke. Ha. Uh, <laughs> so uh, that video also kicked off uh, a daily event that is going to be happening until the main story starts. And uh, these are kind of short histories of Kamigawa. Um, and uh, so we've had a couple of those so far. Uh, one with a quick rundown of what the Kami War was and another on the life of Toshiro Umezawa. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, as of this recording, we had our third one about uh, what Kamigawa happened, you know, what happened after the Kami War, after the novels ended. Uh, and uh, Michiko Kanda's uh, struggle to maintain peace and unity on the plane um, as kind of a de facto new emperor. And so uh, we get some new lore in, in those things. It's going to be kind of catching us up on the last 1,200 years of Kamigawa. So definitely check those out. There's some uh, great art pieces from Magic's past and uh, very, very near future from Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. So um, as we near preview season uh, in a couple weeks, uh, pay attention to those. They're up every weekday on the Mothership. So uh yeah, def definitely check those out, uh, so you can kind of kind of get your lore bearings for modern day Kamigawa, a plane we have only very barely seen in a few stories in the last ten years. Yeah, and they're also very very short, so there's really not an excuse oh, yeah. to, to not read them. Uh, I don't think we're going to cover them specifically on the podcast, so we might reference them when discussing the story. Uh, so go ahead and read those. Don't wait for us to talk about them. 
it's just it's real brief. They're real short. Yeah, but, I don't know. If, I don't know if we can fit them into the schedule. We'll see. Uh, the schedule for this set. Yeah, the schedule for the set's a little wonky uh, for us uh, as content creators because all the stories coming out over the course of a couple days all in a row. But um, yeah, we'll get there when we get there. Uh, until we get there, though, uh, w- you know, we have some comic books to talk about. The uh, the Boom Studio comics uh, finished their first arc, uh, their first uh, 10, 10 issues. And uh, so when we were covering the comics before, uh, I believe we covered through uh, issue five. Yeah, so we we covered the first four issues in two different episodes, and then issue five kind of got mixed in there with an interview with Jed. Uh, yeah, so Jed, Jed McKay, right yeah. over the comic. If you're uh, if you're looking for our back episodes on that, you'll look for uh, episodes with uh, issues one and two, and then three and four, and then the interview with Jed also covers the events of issue five. Right. Uh, so uh, just kind of quick recap: uh, we're on Ravnica. There are assassins sent to assassinate uh, Ralph Raska and uh, Kaya. Uh, Niv is a robot in in this surge, and we're kind of in a parallel canon after War of the Spark. Uh, Jace gets kidnapped by cultists, and uh, they are keeping him in this mysterious guildless hospital. And uh, we learn, oh no, the big bad is Merit Lage. Yeah, that is how the end of <laughs> issue five uh, goes, is that Jaya Ballard just sort of shows up and says, oh yeah, it's Merit Lage. And then that's how we uh, transition into issue six, uh, which is just like a big flashback episode. Jaya is doing this sort of flashback to when she was much, much younger. Uh, It's the Ice Age. She's still just a task mage. uh, And she runs afoul of the cult of Merit Lage. uh, And specifically their leader, Balash Zev. uh, And they're looking for sacrifices to melt the ice around their god, who is trapped on Dominaria under a giant you know, hunk of ice. Uh, specifically, I think they're looking for pyromancers and planeswalkers, but it's not really covered that much in the, the actual text, but it's sort of implied. Then years later, uh, she's flashing back again, and it's, you know, like, I think it's like five or eight years later or something. Uh, she's still just a task mage, and she is, like, hanging out with some Keldorans at a Keldoran outpost, and they're under attack by Balduvians, and the Balduvian barbarians turn out to be uh, cultists of Merit Lage now, and they're under the leadership of Zev, and they drink some consecrated brine and turn into the weird monsters that we saw before on Ravnica. Uh, and they completely overrun the Kildoran outpost, and Jaya barely survives. Um, and then uh, she gives another flashback, and it's after her spark ignites, right there towards the end of the Ice Age, uh, she returns and uh, lays siege to Balash Zev's temple, turns it to Molten Slag, kills Balash Zev very easily, uh, and then tries to kill Merit Lage. Uh, Merit Lage is indestructible, in case you are <laughs> unfamiliar with the card, uh, and fails to kill her, has her sort of mind assaulted, uh, picks up the glacier that Merit Lage is in and just sort of yeets it into the blind eternities, thinking, all right, job done. Don't have to deal with this anymore. Uh, Sometimes you just eat some ice into the non-reality between realities. It happens. Yeah, I mean, this was a time when planeswalkers, you know, they they were gods once, and um, they have the <laughs> ability to 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 do these sorts of things. But she couldn't kill Merit Lage, which is you know kind of telling. Uh, she's telling this whole story, and all these flashbacks are being done as sort of an account to Niv Mizzet and the assembled guild leaders. Uh, she's just sort of in, is entreating them to, hey, there's there's some uh, Merit Lage cultists on Ravnica. You need to take care of that. Um, she tells them to stop the cult or start digging graves. 
Uh, and uh, the good news in issue seven is that they vote to stop the cult. Uh, so uh, the guilds are going to go attack the hospital. Um, but, oh no, the abbot is alerted to their plans. Um, and so the planeswalkers in their uh, nice little spacefaring powers are like, whoa, 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 wait a sec. We don't need to like march an army in here. We're planeswalkers. We can just planeswalk away and then planeswalk back inside uh, the hospital. And so they do that. Um, and then they find some bad news. There uh, aren't a whole lot of people there. In fact, there's there's nobody but corpses everywhere. All the wards, there's there's just bodies. There's uh, nothing else. And uh, so the Azorius are closing in. Um, and uh, it turns out everyone's already been sacrificed. Uh, and so the brine horrors show up uh, and uh, cultists all over Ravnica are uh, running rampant, trashing things, just mass uprisings. Uh, and then all the guilds uh, get to start kicking ass. It's really fun to watch these like scenes where like you have the cultists on one side doing like guild things against the guilds. So like you have like a is it cultist who's like triggering some sort of is it device. There's like a, a cultist writing an armada worm, you know, mm -hmm. Um and it's really funny. And then they cut to, all right, now the guilds are fighting back. And then you get to see like the guild members fighting the cultist monsters and using their sort of guild powers. And it's just, it's really, it's like a love letter to Ravnica in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. It gets, it lets us see a lot of Ravnica and I enjoy it. I, yeah. there's so much in the comics that we can't really cover today that is just like little references and in jokes and like peeks into magic story that are just delightful. And uh, then we come back to the planeswalkers, and uh, they're they're inside the hospital, and uh, much to Vraska's delight, because um, she exchanges uh, eventually a a very see. The problem is I'm queer, and I can only describe it as a gay look. I know they're technically a het couple, but there's something queer about it. <laughs> uh, it's because they're both trans. Uh, <laughs> uh, but. Uh, uh, and so they find Jace. Um, he is he's in a briny pool in a stupor. And uh, the abbot is like, ha ha ha. Finally, I can sacrifice Jace uh, because he's a telepathic beacon and I don't even need him alive. Uh, and oh, no, how are we going to save Jace? Well, Kaya can turn into ghosts and yeet things through the blind eternities with her. Uh, and so she yoinks Jace out of his bath and uh, planeswalks onto Teferi's dining room table. Um, Niv shows up, eats the abbot. But here's the problem. How are we supposed to stop things? None of this deals with the comet in the sky that we've been seeing through the whole comic, who was Marit Lage, who is still on her way. Oh, no. The, the Niv eating the abbot part is like one of my favorite things from these entire comics. It's like a full like... I think it's a two-page spread of just like giant robot Niv just chomping down on the Abbot. It's great. Uh, but yeah, like you said, there's, you know, a, a comet and it's sort of just hanging over Ravnica. Like it's just, it's it's on its way. You can see it. If you look up, there it is, but it's not quite there yet. Uh, it kind of hangs over Ravnica like this executioner's axe. Um, issue eight starts with this like really touching moments between Ral and Tomek, uh, mm -hmm. where Ral is, you know, obviously a little upset and worried because you know the end of the world is coming and Tomek is just kind of trying to be a good boyfriend and relax Ral and take care of him. Uh Jace and Vraska also have this moment where 
Jace kind of explains to Vraska, like, they did something to my head. I don't remember what it is, but there's something there. Um, Kaya sort of just thinks about being a ghost hunter and how she's used to killing ghosts, but Merit Lage isn't a ghost, so she's going to have to figure something out, but she's going to make it work. And then Jace and Vraska go on this walk together, and uh, they're attacked by what is presumably like the last of the cultists left on the plane. It seems like Ravnica dealt with the problem. Uh, but he comes out and he's like the the abbot's right-hand monster. Um, and he attacks Jace and takes him by surprise. And just before he can kill Jace, Tezzeret saves him. Tezzeret, the stinkiest man ever, just shows up out of nowhere and kills the, the monster and saves Jace's life. Uh, he is there for a reason. He he makes a bargain with the, the guild pact and the guild leaders and says, hey, pardon me for all the crimes I committed in War of the Spark, and I'll tell you everything I know about Merrick Lage. And so he takes the planeswalkers on sort of like a little trip. <laughs> um, they go around to uh, Amonkhet. I think it's Amon. No, it's Theros. They go to Theros. Mm-hmm. And as they're on Theros, Tezzeret is sort of explaining that hey, Merit Lage has these cults all over the multiverse. She's got her little tentacles everywhere. Uh, we get little cuts and scenes of like cultists on Ixalan, cultists on Dominaria, cultists just everywhere. And then uh, <laughs> cultists on Innistrad, to which Tezzeret announces he wasn't that surprised they were there. <laughs> yeah. And so he sort of is a little long-winded. He takes basically the entirety of issue eight to explain Merit Lage's whole operating procedure where she sort of sends out little psychic thoughts out into the multiverse and grabs cultists and they can worship her and sort of hope to bring her back to whatever plane they can bring her to. But they're never really enough of them to do it because they work in secret, but they do it gladly. Um, (laughs) And so they can never bring her to any particular plane until these ones on Ravnica discovered, hey, we have a really powerful telepath. And so that's why they kidnap Jace. They're using Jace as a telepathic beacon to sort of connect him to Merit Lage so that she will follow him and his powerful mind, I guess, um, to whatever plane he is on. And that's where she's going to eventually land. And so we kind of get this uh, ultimatum that wherever Jace goes, Merit Lage is going to follow. That's a predicament. Uh, a predicament that is so predicamenty. That they're like, hey, we need to get the gang back together. We need we need to form the dream team. Uh, and so they get uh, a bunch of Gatewatch members and basically anyone else they can find. Uh, they meet up at Teferi's house um, uh, along with uh, Karn, Angras, Sahili, Basri, Samut, and Arlen. Uh, we also learn that in, in the comics canon, at least, uh, Teferi has a last name, and it's Akosa, Teferi Akosa. Uh, my head canon is that he didn't have a last name until he married Sabira and took Sabira's last name of Akosa because he's kind of a white guy, and and that's just chill of him. I think that is like, that. that is just honestly the most believable situation. Not right. that he, like, it, it wouldn't make sense if he had a last name and it just never got used ever before. It only makes sense that he took her last name. Also, that's like really cute. Yeah, they were in love. Uh, uh, yeah, so so they get the team together and um, they start brainstorming a plan. Uh, and so uh, in this continuity, um, Sumut and Basri let us know that uh, Noctamun was not rebuilt. Um, you know, it was rebuilt uh, partially or in the process of rebuilding in um, the card set canon. Uh, it, it is not here. So uh, Amonkhet is just an empty wasteland at this point. Um, well, I guess 
they they do mention that uh, you know any any of the survivors were taken far far away from them. so there's like nobody around there um, and uh, that makes Amonkhet very unique because there is basically nobody there but the zombies that Amonkhet's world soul reanimates uh, and and they realize so they can't kill Marit Lage but they know what she wants she wants worshippers. Uh, and so they devise a plan to manipulate the undead of of Amonkhet to become Marit Lage worshippers. You know, instead of their drive for violence, they can have a drive to worship and sate Marit Lage. And so instead of one, you know, threatening every plane, um, they can uh, they can give her essentially a home, nice little house for the cosmic horror. And Jace is like, yeah, I can just make a psychic clone and, and she won't leave. It'll be great. It's a great plan. Um, and so uh, there is uh, a whole situation and a five person dream team because uh, they need uh, uh, what uh, Ral to uh, do the scientific work and the language of what the spell is going to look like. Uh, Vraska with the power and authority to make it work. Uh, Kaya, the ability to interface with the dead who can kind of uh, translate to what they need. Uh, Jace to tie them together, but uh, they don't have a necromancer. Like Vraska is like, yeah, I know necromancy, but I'm not good enough at it to, to really do this. Uh, and then in walks Liliana Vess, here to save the day. Uh, good good old anti-hero Liliana. Um, and so the five of them are kind of this core of, uh, of uh, the team. And, uh, and then we head into issue 10. I, I just love that this is the second time Liliana Vess has shown up to save the Gatewatch from a cosmic horror. Yeah, um, it's great. It's <laughs> kind of her thing. She's, she's got, she's got a, a thing with using zombies to save them. Um, yeah, so... Issue 10 starts off with Ajani, who is not on Amonkhet. They they left him back at Teferi's house. Uh, he's there with um, Niabi. He, he's the healer. He's the person who's there to heal them. So as he's waiting, like Jaya shows up and she's like, hey, I need help. I got hit. And he goes to heal her. Uh, turns out they're like, the whole plot is that you have the, the five crew, the core people who are doing this sort of giant spell to interface with all of the undead while all of the other friends that they gathered are just fighting off this giant wave of undead, this never ending like ocean of undead that are trying to kill them. Uh, so they're doing that. Johnny is healing them. Uh, we have the five planeswalkers who I noticed do make a full Wuburg. If you consider uh, Jace as the blue planeswalker, Liliana is black, uh, green and Vraska, white and Kaya and red and Ralph. So I thought that was, thought that was nice um but they're they're doing their full uh plan and you have uh Raul as the language of command Vraska as the power of directive kaya as the lens to translate it into the undead and then liliana is their conduit and they reprogram all of the undead and they start worshiping merit lage and all the fighting stops and everything worked and uh they all start piecing out one by one they're going back to dominaria to have a celebratory party at Teferi's house. And the last two left are uh, Vraska and Jace. And Jace is like, hey, I got it. Don't worry about it. I'm, I'm setting up my little psychic clone. And then Vraska goes, no, you're not. You don't have a plan. And Jace, he doesn't have a plan. He thought of everything and he realized there was no 
there was no real way for him to live. Some puzzles can't be solved is, is the line that gets used. Uh, Vraska being mad about this, uh, but uh, resolves to die with him. And then they kiss and it's very sweet. They Yeah, they, they have this really beautiful moment together where they're uh, they're standing sort of discussing death. Um, Vraska's like, you know, will it hurt? And Jace is like, I don't think so. And they're they're ready as Merit Lage is right on top of them. This giant comet is just about to land. Uh, Doomed and in love, by the way, a good way to sucker me into a story. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was a great like tragedy. Uh, it's so good. It's such a good moment. Like, I, I teared up a little bit. Um, but the thing is, is that the, the rest of the crew on Dominaria realized something was up and Kaya jumps to Amonkhet just in time to grab Vraska and then leave. And, uh, Jace dies. I mean, that's the, that's the only way to put it. The, we see the comet hit. Jace is still there. Um, Kaya drags Vraska back to, to Dominaria and Vraska is pissed. Um, she was ready to die with Jace. Kaya pieced it together and realized that there was no solution to this puzzle that didn't end with the death of Jace Bellerin. Um, there's some real touching moments here where uh, Vraska's obviously very, very upset. The rest of the planeswalkers are kind of coming to terms with what's just happened. Um, some of them are crying. It's uh, Teferi remarks that, you know, he he buried his wife here, just very close to where they're standing. And he knows what it means to lose someone you love. Uh, Rao thinks about how would he react if this had been Tomek, if he had lost you know, the love of his life in this. Um, there was a big point in, uh, I think it was issue nine, where they do have this sort of conversation among uh, Raska, Rao, and Kaya about how they are no longer just associates. They have become friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Vraska makes a point. They're not friends anymore. She's she's really, really upset with Kaya uh, and Rao and, and just all of them because she fully intended to die there with Jace and they left Jace to die alone. Um, granted, he was only alone for like a second before that comet hit. So it wasn't really like he was that alone. Um, but the point is that, you know, Vraska was going to be there with him and then she wasn't. Uh, they they spend a day recovering on Dominaria, and then um, everyone planeswalks home, and Rao, Vraska, and Kaya go back to Ravnica. And everything's and, great and happy there, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, no. So uh, Vraska's being very curt with them, and she's saying, like, we're not friends anymore. We are just guild leaders. Don't talk to me. I don't want to be around you. Uh, and the gathered people of Ravnica are cursing their names. Uh, they are all, all these people who are in the city who see them return, start, you know, shouting planeswalkers, planeswalkers, someone we can, we can get them, everybody. Uh, and the, the end of the issue ends with what looks to be a wanted poster with Frasca's picture on it. And that's the end of the story. What's going on? Who knows? I don't, but apparently Ravnica has turned against the planeswalkers. I'm sure everything's fine. It's just a misunderstanding. It'll probably take like half of issue 11 to figure out. Well, on issue 11, uh, the only thing we've seen so far is, I believe, some cover art. And uh, the cover art does not show these three planeswalkers. It shows a different trio. Uh, uh, it sure does. Uh, it shows, uh, I believe, Chandra, Garrick, and, uh, well, a, a mysterious third, uh, but also Tezzeret. 
Uh, Tezzeret has been kind of popping in and out of the story. Uh, did y'all talk about the Tezzeret one-shot while I was gone? No, we have not discussed the Tezzeret one-shot on the podcast. I guess we could cover we, that. We I, have time, right? I we have, have not read it, so you might have to tell okay. me what happens. Honestly, not much. Uh, that one, uh, by the way, is uh, the Tezzeret one-shot. It's very good, uh, written by Marguerite Scott. Um, it's very good. Uh, Tezzeret kind of talks about his life since um since uh the dragon nicol bolas uh was defeated <laughs> um you know the big bad of magic story for 10 years whose name i couldn't remember you know the character i've written uh yeah nicol bolas uh and and uh kind of interfaces he has a mechanical helper um kind of a repair drone butler made um and uh, so it kind of chronicles uh, some of his side plans on Ravnica. He stops a whole bunch of assassination attempts on Jace because uh, he wants to protect Jace for some reason. Um, it's all very esoteric. What what is up with him? Uh, it, it it was uh, not really plot driven. It was it was really strong with Tezra as a character, though, with him uh, being kind of this behind the scenes schemer, opportunistic um I liked it a lot. Definitely check that out too. Uh, I am looking forward to more spinoff comics. Uh, definitely want to see more from Tezzeret. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that, that's the Boom Studio comics. Uh, with these these, uh, these first 10 issues are a completed arc. Uh, the comics, though, and it's been stated, we are, we are kind of doing 10 issue arcs. Um, and uh, it's kind of weird to think that like it's been 10 months of this already. Um, shout out to the Boom Studio Magic the Gathering comics for coming out on time 10 months in a row. Um, not to like throw shade at the IDW Chandra comic, but uh, this has been nice. They, they were really incredible. I, I loved it. Um, I love the story. The art was really good. I think it was, uh, I mean, we've sung the praises of these comics a million times on the podcast, so I don't want to repeat myself too much, but mm -hmm. they are definitely a love story to Magic the Gathering lore, even though they are not quote unquote canon within the the main you know card set storyline they contain so much richness to them that comes from that uh like i mentioned earlier there's just so many times where you see something and you're like oh that's you know that's an armada worm or they'll just word for word say a flavor text somewhere in the comic um referencing you know maybe an older card or something that happens there's little jokes that are definitely the sort of in jokes that you would get from someone who enjoys magic uh in issue nine when they're making their plan uh they kind of come to the realization that they're going to turn the undead into servants by talking about like hey each of our guilds has like a created servant that we have the orzova have thralls the uh is it league have their weirds um the uh Golgari make zombies. And there's this joke about the weirds that was just so funny and cute um, where Kaya can't remember what they're called. And she like refers to them as like your little gooey friends or something. And Rao says, uh, it's a weird. And she goes, oh yeah, it is. <laughs> it's just like, it's just those little moments where I'm like, ah, this is magic. This is the magic lore that I love and I'm enjoying it. So yeah, you should read Boom Comics. They're very fun and they definitely won't make you cry. I mean, they might. Yeah, they did. Um, but yeah, like I, I really like them too. I, I um, God, uh, how do I want to start the sense? Uh, I think one of the biggest things I saw people talk about when these got announced was fear of what it meant that these were not canon with 
the comic book story that we are in our own canon now. That comics canon has has split off from more of the spark. And um, I don't. Hmm. If magic is going to grow as an IP, this is just going to happen, right? Um, yeah. Even if you try to hold together one central canon, that can get changed at any time. Looking at you, Star Wars, and taking basically your entire extended universe over thirty years and saying, "Actually, this isn't canon anymore," um, or it's 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 Legends canon. Uh, but uh, and like Star Wars has always had tons of canon problems anyway. I mean, they released an entire feature film that wasn't canon. I mean, episode nine just didn't actually happen. Honestly, nothing in Rise of Skywalker is as bad as seeing Boston Dynamics droids in the first episode of Book of Boba Fett. But that's a whole other thing. Uh, separate canon lets the comic be able to do things that, you know, completely independent of the card game. Uh, the comics are not you know, hey, we get to set up Amonkhet as the ideal world to make this plan work. We get to have main character deaths. I'm not 100% convinced Jace is dead. We'll see. Oh, yeah, I don't think he's dead. I don't I don't think he's dead at all. I think that, yeah, the emotional impact happened. You believe he's dead well enough to feel that emotion. But when he shows up in like issue 18, I'm not going to be like, what? How dare you? I'm. That's it's just kind of how the story is going to work, probably. My, yeah, my assumption is that he's dead, but I won't be surprised if he's not dead at some point in the future. Um, my my assumption is that they will actually just keep him dead. Um, but we'll see. Um, you know, comic books are notorious for killing off characters. In, in I, I did air quotes around killing off characters, and then then having them show up again later, not actually dead as a surprise. So. Uh, we'll see if that is a thing that uh, gets ported over from superhero comics uh, and, uh, in terms of genre tropes uh, and media. Well, I guess medium tropes. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, and, and so we got we got to have things a little different. We got to really embellish this Jaya backstory. Like like being able to exist in a separate canon is what allows us to have Merit Lage as a villain in a really satisfying way that doesn't involve like breaking her out of the ice in modern Dominaria. And, and so we get... Um, we get to tell good stories because the other thing is like, hey, if the comics have to adhere to to card game canon, then they can't tell big bombastic stories that like reshape the worlds and the characters in them uh, without stepping on the toes of the card game. This is kind of the issue we saw with the Dak Faden comics and to a lesser extent, uh, the Chandra comic. Uh, the Dak Faden comics were always parallel to main stories. So it was always just kind of Dak on his goofy little adventures and we couldn't have big stakes and big action set pieces. And we couldn't, you know, involve the the characters from, you know, that players know from the card game and, and so on and so forth. And so that is uh, a really strong point is like, hey, if you like Vraska, yeah, this isn't technically the same Vraska that exists in the, in the card game canon, but it's still the Vraska you know. The essence of the character is here. Um, if you like Vraska, you probably also like her and Jace, and her and Jace get to have wonderful, wonderful moments in this comic so far. Uh, these are the things that get to happen. Uh, when when we are in a separate canon. And I, I, that, that is one of the things I really appreciated about the comic. Um, one of the things I was hoping it would do was be able to make bold choices that make sense for it that don't make sense for the card game. A uh, card game has to be like really, really, really careful about character deaths. Um, look at War of the Spark. Uh, Dak's death went over really bad uh, and because it was only in the novel, but now he's like dead in the card game and now we can't have Dak anymore because the novel wanted one more character to kill for some reason. And I've and said Domri. enough about that, but like everyone forgets Domri died. And now I feel bad because everyone forgets right. that Domri Rod died. He's dead. And everyone forgets that. 
poor guy. Yeah. I mean, he kind of deserved it, but still. Well, I mean, for what he did, but also like. Yeah, he's a kid. Yeah. I don't want to talk about World Spark. Uh, no, I, uh, again, like you said, like, you know, we, we had Jed on before. Jed is an old time magic player. Um, he put in so much of his love for magic into these comics and it really shows. Um, you know, he specifically dipped back into Ice Age flavor for this. And so uh, that is the thing for... And and so he, what the comic does is create new Ice Age content, though, so that if you weren't around, you know, if you didn't read the Ice Age novels, like, you're not missing anything by reading, you know, by having not read uh, any Ice Age stories. Uh, everything is contained in the comic. But if you had... You know, if you are an older fan or a hardcore Vorthos is aware of the Ice Age story, it just em- embellishes it more. Um, when, and so I, I, I think that balance is really, really smart here um, and was used really effectively. Um, you know, we had the deep cut of uh, when the uh, when the cultists speak Maritlage's name, they speak a symbol, which is similar to the symbol on, I believe, uh, Wrath of Maritlage in the art, the, the tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, like, what a ridiculous deep cut. Um, that's wonderful. I love that. One which none of us caught. Like, all of us, like, Vorthoses were like, what is this weird symbol? And then it was Jed who was like, oh, yeah, no, that's the tree from Wrath of Merit Lage. And we were just like, what? <laughs> it was, like, such oh, yeah. a deep cut. It, it's great. But, like, you know, get, getting to lo- use um, the... Uh, you know they uh, they they serve in secret, but they serve gladly. From I believe it's Brian Shaman from Ice Age. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and get to talk about like the Brian Shamans and like using this concept of brine water uh, as part of rituals and and stuff, and just like expanding, like extrapolating from a couple lines of flavor text uh, about a character who has like five lines about her total ever in magic lore, um, and extrapolating all of that into a whole cult and and a story and a narrative is really sweet. Um, I think uh, the comic is just really, really good and smart about a lot of those kinds of choices. One one of my favorite things about these comics um, is that the the characters feel very uh, true to themselves from what we knew of them before the comics, where it's like when you're reading, it's like, oh, this sounds like Vraska. This sounds like Rao. This sounds like Kaya. Um, this sounds like Jace. Like the characters are very... Uh, the characterization of them is very canon compliant in that sense, where there's nothing like weird. No one does anything where you're like, Kaya wouldn't do that or Vraska wouldn't. They all feel very true to themselves. But one thing I really enjoy from that is also that these comics, whether or not we they're canon or they fit into the magic card canon, are going to influence the future of magic. Um, and by that, I mean that like, the people reading these comics today will maybe someday be responsible for writing these characters or writing magic story or creating something for magic. And even though these comics are not canon, something might come out of them that finds its way into canon just because, hey, you know, Jed really nailed it when he wrote, you know, Rao to have this, you know, silly line about, you know, bring the storm. And that's just going to start showing up and stuff because they like it and they might as well take from it. Um, Yeah. It's it's just good that we can have this and be like, hey, maybe you don't take everything from the comics and turn it into canon, but you can take something from it and go, you know, actually it would be really cool if Niv-Mizzet was in a, a, you know, um, a robotic sort of body. Maybe the next time Niv-Mizzet shows up, he's wearing Mizium armor covering his entire body. You know, maybe he just kind of looks like that now. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it would be pretty cool and it would it would be fun. 
And it's, you know, a thing that they can do. Yeah. Um, it's also a thing that if it gets read enough can, uh, promote ideas within the fan base, uh, for things that they want. Um, and that can be communic. you know, if that is communicated through the right channels, that can be a thing that impacts the game, but this is also a good marketing tool. This is a, um, a, a uh, Boom Studios has made a number of really outstanding uh, uh, licensed comics uh, recently. And uh, by recently, I mean like the last five years. Um, people who read comics can read these comics and understand magic and maybe get interested in the card game. There's this marketing aspect to, to it too. This is another avenue to try and bring people into magic. Um, and, you know, I'm not at all a person who is going to deal with any of that aspect of magic professionally. Um, you know, I just write some stuff here and there, but, um, you know, if it does bring people into magic, that's great. Um, it is, uh, again, this is, this is like, look, I have issues with things. I don't have a lot of issues with this comic and I just want to sing the praises because I want more people to read it. I want good word of mouth on this comic. I want these comics to continue. The, this was a great read. Like, I'm I'm not going to back down from that. I just legitimately loved these comics. Um, I have not loved most of Magic's comics. Uh, <laughs> I, I like the Chandra comic well enough, but well enough isn't unequivocally i love this comic and i unequivocally love these boom studio comics so far um so i'm very excited for what we have next uh, um uh and i and i think we're gonna start wrapping up the episode here i think this is gonna be a shorter one because i don't think we have much more to talk about my my only last comment on the comics is that they killed jace bellerin in issue 10 and i all of the jace bellerin fanatics that i follow on twitter were upset but none of them were like angry and i think that is like a clue to how good these comics are that the people who love jace bellerin thought that he got to go to send off so like that is that is i think the highest award you can give them is that they were sad that jace died but they were like i get it it worked so i like that yeah i'm i am really curious how the decision to to kill jason issue 10 uh was decided uh and that is good because uh next week jed mckay will be back uh um and and we, we are gonna have uh, jed back on to talk about this whole first arc um kind of uh talk about it holistically we're gonna have a real good time uh jed was wonderful to have on before i'm big excited uh so uh you know uh if you have not read the comics, definitely, you know, uh, catch up on our episode summaries uh, so you can hop into the uh, the interview with Jed and uh, just really enjoy the nitty gritty stuff we talk about. Um, I'm, I'm big excited. I I love when we do interview episodes. They're some of my favorites. Um, oh, yeah. Love an interview. Love to interview Jed. Great guest. Can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun. Mostly because interview episodes are pretty unstructured and fun. Uh, um, and I don't have to do a lot of prep work for them. You know what else we don't have to do prep work for? What? Our final thoughts. Uh, I mean, sometimes <laughs> I, 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 I am. My final thought this week is communicating a thing I, I mentioned on Twitter, but uh, I want to mention it again because video games slow down. We are um, two weeks out. Uh, so we're 15 days away from uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus um for the switch this kind of uh semi open world exploration game in uh uh like tokugawa era sino um looks awesome big excite like it's very clear that it was 
in the wake of Breath of the Wild trying to do kind of a Breath of the Wild thing for Pokemon. Um, I also think it will be wrong to compare this game to Breath of the Wild, uh, but that's a whole other thing. So we got that at the end of January. At the end of February, uh, on the 22nd, we have the new Destiny 2 expansion, uh, Wrath of the Witch Queen. Wrath of the Witch Queen? I think it's Wrath. Anyway, Sabathun, <laughs> my wife, one of my many Destiny wives, uh, big bad in, in the new expansion. I'm very, very excited to see how that all goes down. Uh, big monumental changes to the Destiny storyline. And then a month later, um, the, we just got the release date for the new Kirby game, which uh, it's a 3D platformer. Uh, Kir- Kirby has a gun. They gave Kirby a gun. It's about time. It's the meme. Uh, it looks really adorable, really fun. There's apparently fishing in it. Uh, Kirby gets a little fishing hat. It's great. Um, it's just, it's really, really cute. Uh, also, there's some rumors and, and leaks potentially that we're getting Silk Song, the Hollow Knight sequel, next month in February, which the uh, Hollow Knight is in my top 10 games of all time. It is basically perfect. Um, and I'm very, very excited for Silk Song. Uh, and this is too many games. I still haven't finished Brilliant Diamond yet. Uh, you know, I'm still doing grinding in Destiny stuff. Uh, I'm playing through Portal 2, which I haven't ever done before. And like, I'm still not done that. Like, there's just too many games. Portal it's 2 too many is so games. good. That's wow. so good. I, I I played through the co-op with um, a cutie and and had a lot of fun. And so now I'm, I'm playing through the story. I've, I've seen parts of it because uh, uh, one of my roommates in college played and i didn't get to see the whole thing so uh i am i'm in the middle cape johnson sections uh so far so um yeah i uh i can agree on that because i bought uh the ruined king the like league of legends rpg game back in december and uh i loved it i played it for like two days straight and was just genuinely i thought like this is the best rpg i've played it's wonderful i love it uh put it down with the intention of like finishing it over Christmas break, but there's so many games. Like I haven't even picked it back up because I've got to play other games that I love and I'm really enjoying. And I'm just like, how am I ever going to play all of these games when new ones keep coming out? Uh, Luckily, I don't care that much for the new Pokemon game. I probably won't play Kirby. Uh, Interested in Destiny. I kind of want to play more Destiny. It seems really cool. Um, Really enjoy the, the dev team on that at least. But Anyways, my final thought is that I made a big pot of red sauce for dinner, and so I got leftovers, and I'm real excited about them. That's the Italian way. You know, I, I cut us off to try and cut us out early. This is going to be a pretty regular length episode. <laughs> um, I did not curse us with a short episode, though. But uh, with, with the intent to keep things short, uh, we are just going to segue right into our, our closer here and, and say that, hey, if you've liked the Boom Studio comics, uh, whether you've read them or not and have liked our summaries and are excited for our interview with Jed and want to see us do more cool things and keep the show going, um, there's, uh, you know, a good concrete way for you to do that. And that's head to patreon.com slash the Vorthos cast and help support us uh, starting today. Uh, everyone who does gets access to our Discord community where Vorthoses around the world are hanging out, having a good time, heading into preview season. Again, I cannot reiterate, preview season never ends, but preview season is also a wonderful time to be in our server. Uh, especially with Kamagawa, we have a lot of nostalgia from like an 18-year-old world coming back for the first time and a lot of new people who just haven't experienced Kamagawa before. So uh, there's been a lot of great discussion. There's a lot of uh, mysteries that... Uh, you know, uh, have yet to be solved about the set. I'm sitting on my NDA and not saying anything. It's really great. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
soon, two weeks. Uh, I believe two weeks from today, the Kamigawa story will be finished. Um, so you definitely want to get in uh, in 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 that Discord server uh, as low as a dollar a month. Uh, you can get in that server. Um, we we love all, all our patrons who keep the show going and um, would love to see uh, more people uh, in in the server having a good time. Um, so uh, with that, uh, thank you all for listening. This has been the Vorthos Cast.